ho, 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 Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Quoth the Camser. Coming at you today from the Hill of Beans, located somewhere on the autistic spectrum. So how are you all doing? How has it been going since we last spoke? I think it was probably two weeks ago I last recorded one of these. And so, yeah, I hope you've had a good two weeks. Mine's been pretty, pretty interesting, let's use that word. I would say exciting, but it hasn't really been exciting. I'm dealing with a lot of mental health issues. Not just my own, but, you know, definitely my own. As well as that of other members of my family. And how do you negotiate family members' mental health when your own mental health needs negotiating as well? It's a challenge, to be sure. I'm wondering if this microphone is safe from the wind. I think it might be. Now this is an interesting feature of Alcoholics Anonymous which is that service service is a way of keeping your sobriety and enhancing your sobriety. So that's a way of saying I think that by dealing with the mental health of family members before my own can actually remove my own problems in some way and make me feel better now they do say that alcoholism is a selfish disease and they say that recovery also needs to be selfish does that mean I should be focusing on my own mental health to the exclusion of others now that's the ironic thing is that by being available for family members and thinking of ways I can help them actually helps me So rather than sitting thinking, what would I like right now? What would be good for me? If I switch that to what would be good for them, then it becomes good for me. That's something I know to be true. And yet, it's not the way that I act. And that's something I would like to change. And in order to change, one needs to be aware But sometimes that awareness can be frustrating. I don't know if you've experienced this, but being aware that your behaviour is bad and still acting in that bad way, that's not fun. (laughs) So, yeah, I've just recorded a video in which I spoke about these mental health issues that we're facing at length so if you would like to watch that video and learn about how we're dealing with our son's Asperger's syndrome and his schooling then jump onto my YouTube channel and you can watch that I'll put a link in the description to this so you can follow that up if you would like to I'm deliberately making this different so that I'm not just cutting and pasting my video onto the audio feed I want this to be different just to explore and see if I actually come out with different patter. And I think I might. I think I might because, you know, I've already done the video, so I'm moving on from that. Now, let's take a look at the family situation that we're facing right now with our daughter. Because the video was all about my son. My daughter, 17 years old, heading to London as I speak to go and visit Guildhall conservatoire where she's applied and been accepted as a music student 
for next academic year, starting September, whenever that might be, to study a Bachelor of Music degree. So she's going down there today to have a consultation lesson and be shown around the, the institution. I think this is the last one that she's going to be visiting. She's been accepted to Manchester, Birmingham, Cardiff, Glasgow. There's another one? Another one in London, I think. I can't even keep track of it all. I think she got six acceptances out of seven applications. And when I think back to the first acceptance, which came through two months ago, maybe three months ago, and how at that time she'd never really travelled on her own up and down from Scotland to England on the train. We'd always gone with her, or one of us. And now, only three or four maybe months later, she's she's a seasoned traveller. She's been up and down and up and down multiple times. And the feeling of excitement that that she was experiencing, that we as a family were experiencing. And fast forward to two weeks ago maybe three weeks ago she started becoming very moody and down and depressed and it hasn't really shifted in the last three weeks and even today when she was heading off to London which is when I think back to my own life whenever I was going on an adventure like that I was ridiculously excited. Still am. <laughs> Not that I get to do it very much these days, but even now, just going on the ferry to leave Aaron for the mainland is an exciting event. But she left today looking as glum as anything. And I'm not sure what to do about that. How do I... What is the right thing? For me as a parent, who has experience, by the way, with depression? And I'm not saying that she is depressed, because I don't know. I think that these words get bandied about a lot these days, and sometimes these words can manifest the symptoms rather than having the words describe the symptoms. That's kind of how I feel about it, and I'm... I mean, when I was first diagnosed with clinical depression in my fourth year at St Andrews, which would have been my junior year, penultimate year, a good friend of mine, who might be listening to this, hey Rab, if you're listening, he was a really good friend, and at the time when I was diagnosed and put on medication, he was like, "Mm, I don't think so. And I, I don't know, I've always... Well, I say always. At that time, I believed very strongly in the medical profession and that they knew better than I. And whatever they said was the way things really were. And so I went along with it, went on the meds, and that was the beginning of that journey. And since then, I've been medicated another twice for depression. And now I'm aware of the feelings and I'm trying to deal with them in other ways. Which means that I'm confused, I suppose. When our daughter said that she was feeling this way and it felt like it was never going to pass. I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. And she asked about 
medication. <sighs> so I'm not sure really what to do. I feel like counselling would be a good thing. CBT, called Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, is a good thing. I suggested mindfulness and I suggested meditation because that's something I'm I'm doing most days at the moment. I'm trying to trying to make it a practice, a habit, and be something that I must do, a high priority item in my day, like eating, sleeping, meditating, that kind of high priority. And I'm not doing it as much as I would like to at the moment, but I'm working on it. I'm aware of it. And when I mentioned it to her, she was like, no, nah. <clears throat> tried it once, it was boring. And with the mood that she's in, she's just not receptive to my trying to explain to her why I think it's a great idea. And I said, look, don't wait till you're 50 until you realise how good a thing this can be for your mental health. Start now. By the time you're 50, you'll be... You'll be... Happy. You know? But it fell on deaf ears. Maybe it's just the parent-teenager dynamic. I don't know. I don't know. And she's very moody with us. And my wife, particularly, is taking it quite hard. She feels that it's a reflection on her... And so I'm trying to explain to her that it's not. It's not a reflection in her. And it's a difficult it's a difficult place to be. I'm not sure how helpful this is, recording it and putting it out there. It tends to be helpful for me doing this, so instead of listening to the Count of Monte Cristo which has become a bit of an obsession over the past few days when I'm out on these dog walks with the lovely Clover the Basset. Instead of that, I'm recording a video and a podcast episode today to just explore my thoughts. You know, the usual self-indulgent stuff that I care about. So, as a drunk friend told me a couple of weeks ago, your stuff self-indulgent pish, why do you keep putting it out there? Nobody cares. You're chasing the likes. So to him I say, I care. Thanks for listening. See you in the next one. Bye.